Hello and welcome to Murder You to Sleep, a podcast dedicated to the most evil stories of true crime. My name is Ryan and today we are going to be looking at a Japanese man looking for love and ended with murder and cannibalism. So sit back, relax and let's begin. Ise Sagawa was born on April the 26th, 1949, to extremely wealthy parents. His father was a businessman and also served as president for the Kurita Water Industries Company. And his grandfather was editor for the Asahi Shimbun. He was born prematurely and was apparently so small he could fit into the palm of his father's hand. He also developed enteritis, which is a disease of the small intestine. Sagawa eventually recovered after several injections of potassium and calcium in saline. His fragile health and introvert personality led him to an interest in literature. He attended schools in Kamakura, where he first experienced cannibalistic motives and desires in the first grade after seeing a male's thigh. He also took part in bestiality with his dog and also experienced more cannibalistic desires for women. Later on in his education, he completed a master's degree in English literature at Waco University, which is no small feat. At 24, while studying while still at Waco University in Tokyo, he followed a German woman and broke into her apartment while she was sleeping. His intent was to cannibalise her by slicing off some flesh from her buttocks, but she woke up and pushed him to the ground. He was charged with attempted rape because he didn't reveal his true intentions to the police. His charge of rape was dropped after his rich father paid an undisclosed settlement to the victim. In 1977, he moved to Paris to pursue his PhD in literature. He claims that was the he claims that he was bringing prostitutes home almost every night and tried to shoot them, but for some reason he froze up and he couldn't pull the trigger. Then on June the 11th, 1982, he invited his classmate to his apartment under the pretext of translating poetry for an assignment. The classmate was René Hartveld, a 25-year-old Dutch woman. He chose to kill and eat her as he wanted to absorb her health and beauty. He regarded himself as ugly, small and weak. He was 5 foot 9, whereas René was 5 foot 10. She arrived at his apartment unaware that these would be the last moments of her life. She sat at his desk reading poetry with her back to him when he shot her in the neck with a rifle and he claimed he fainted quickly afterwards. After he came to, he had to carry out his plan. He had sex with the corpse. He could not bite into the skin because his teeth were not sharp enough so he left his apartment to purchase a butcher's knife. After he returned, 
He then ate parts of her body. He ate most of her breasts and face either raw or cooked while he saved other parts in the refrigerator. He also took photographs at various stages of decomposition as well. He tried to dump the remains of her body in a lake, carrying her body parts in two suitcases, but was caught in the act and arrested by French police four days later. Sagawa's wealthy father found a lawyer for his son's defence and after two years awaiting trial, Sagawa was found legally insane and ordered to a mental institution. After a visit by an author, Sagawa's story about his murder was published in Japan under the title In the Fog. This caused Sagawa's celebrity status to soar and contributed to France's decision to deport him back to Japan, where he was immediately committed to another hospital. Now this is where it gets crazy. At the hospital, he was found sane and found, and found to have a sexual perversion, which was the sole cause for the murder. Charges in France were dropped, French court documents were then sealed and subsequently not released to Japanese authorities. So that means that Sagawa could not be, de be detained in Japan. Sagawa checked himself out of hospital on August the 12th, 1986 and has been a free man ever since. His continued freedom has caused widespread criticism across the world. Between 1986 and 1997, he was frequently invited to be a guest speaker and commentator and even had a part in a film as a sadosexual voyeur. He has also wrote books about his murder and one also on the 1997 Corby child murders. He has even, he has even done restaurant reviews for Japanese magazines as well although he cannot find publishers for his work anymore. In 2005, both of his parents died and he was prevented from attending their funerals. He moved into public housing. He said in an interview that being forced into making a living as a murderer and a cannibal is a horrible punishment. In 2013, he was hospitalised for an infection that permanently damaged his nervous system and now he lives alone and requires daily care from his younger brother and other caregivers and he now claims he regrets his obsession. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Murder You to Sleep. If you enjoyed it, give the episode a like, give the podcast a follow or just share the podcast with the world. Once again, thank you and sweet dreams.